Welcome to the Gideon's Church Speaker Program, where our mission is to help develop more and better speakers. Whether you've been speaking for decades or just thinking about getting qualified, you will find valuable tips, lessons, and inspiration here. This is Sean Graver from the Tacoma Northwest Camp in Tacoma, Washington, and now, here is this week's episode. Our guest today has been a member of the Gideons International since 1999 and has served as Camp Secretary and President and is currently serving as Camp Vice President of the Kent Des Moines Camp. He has been a church speaker for 10 years and really enjoys it. Originally from Canada, he is married and has a 20-year-old daughter. It's an honor and a privilege to be speaking with Calvin Gildoff today. Hello, Calvin. Hey, how are you doing, Sean? Uh, doing great. Hey, Calvin, let's start off by just uh, finding out what, what motivated you to become a church ministry speaker? Well, it was an extension of our camp need. Uh, we didn't have anybody else to really go out and speak to the churches, so I don't usually shy away from too much, so I said, sure, I'll try it. And so now that you've been doing this for about 10 years, what does your preparation process for your presentation look like? I tend to go over statistics that the Gideons publish. I also kind of gather information from our various camp meetings, if it's brought up that there is, you know, school distributions or needs that we have for campuses or any any of our distribution needs, I, I tend to just have those facts available to me. And then I don't necessarily craft a canned presentation. I write down the loose notes I have and, and I actually present without notes. Well, that actually brings me to uh, another good question because that that's a very difficult thing for, for most people to overcome. How did you overcome the need to bring notes up with you? Well, I look at the audience. I gain my both my confidence and my phrasing of the presentation with what the audience is showing me. So I'm conscious of what the audience is, is needing, and I'm trying to give it to them. So I don't look at my notes to tell me what to do. I, I really look at the audience to give me that feedback. When you're looking at the audience, what, what are you looking for exactly? Well... I'm looking for a response as I talk. Usually I have an introduction, and the introduction is really meant to get their attention and get them ready for the delivery, because I want them to do something with what I'm telling them. So uh, once I have their attention, then I can deliver what I want them to to hear. And then after that, I follow up with how we're going to get there. And so as this tempo of the presentation comes up, I, I can see uh, where we are. If, if people are still not really following me, then I may need to reinforce what I've just said. But I won't move on or try to rush the process. It's difficult, though, when you only have a few minutes. Digging into that a little bit more, is this a eye contact? Is it a expression on the faces? Are you looking at a couple of people for this feedback, or are you scanning a large number of people? I'm scanning the entire audience, and I'm trying to see if they're actually engaged. And so as you see people looking down or looking around or talking to each other, you know you know they're not engaged. But usually I find that they they do tend to pick up on the first minute or so of my presentation, and then I can start to uh, get them to understand what I'm trying to say. And so it's good. It's good. I, I do not try to talk to a, a dead room. Now, so when you're coming up to the podium, since you don't have to have the notes with you, uh, what what do you bring with you? I bring a Gideon uh, personal testament. And sometimes I bring college and I bring a personal brown one. 
or sometimes I bring a hotel Bible and a personal testament. You don't bring the stack of twelve to try to show every version possible. Oh then. no, not at all. <laughs> not not at all. I I, I, I try to have uh, something set up in in the church foyer that has kind of a demonstration of the different products that Gideon, Gideon's has. So, so you're opening. What does that typically entail when you're opening your presentation? Immediately, I want to persuade them to to do something. With the Gideons, I try to make sure that they know the very important job that we do is is the work of the Holy Spirit, and that to give people the opportunity to bring people to Christ. And that is my main message, is getting them to acknowledge the fact that this is what the Gideons does, and this is what they can do through the Gideons. And then I want to, then after that, after that is, is clearly communicated, then I can inform them. I have a Bible verse that I pick for the day. I say that, but I really try to impress upon them that it's the Word. It's the Word that we're delivering, and it's the Word through the Holy Spirit that we're delivering. And then I want to also impress them with what the Gideons um, have to offer them and how they can benefit from being involved with the Gideons. And that is the three-part approach to get them into action, to inform them, and then tell them how they can do the job, you know, how they can get involved. I think it's very important what you just mentioned there, that your focus is on how they can benefit. Right. And oftentimes, I think we find that a lot of presentations are focused on, I have a list of information that I have to communicate, and that's the important part. But but really, truly, what our focus should be on are the people that we're talking to. Right. You do several things here that are very interesting. These things really help connect at a personal level with the audience. What else do you intentionally build into your presentation that helps you draw them in? You're trying to share the benefits with them, and you mentioned a three-part approach. Can you kind of maybe go into that a little bit? Sure. To persuade them to act, to inform them with relevant information, and to really impress them they can be part of the Gideon's as a congregation, they can be our feet in our hands, you know? I mean, this is it. And we know that the majority of communication is body language. So I try to maintain an open body language with my arms to my side and making sure that I don't close my hands around the podium. I, I try to be open, open in my body language as well. And that's hard when you don't know your audience. But because I don't rely on what's on the podium, I don't have to focus on that. And so I move around and I make sure that I, if I have to hold the mic, well, that's fine, but I don't have a very closed body position. So to me, it's actually um, every presentation I do develops a little bit more for me. I've become more comfortable. For those who are not familiar with the body language communication, we may notice it when someone else is speaking, but when we're up there speaking, would you describe a little bit about uh, what you intentionally do? You talked about your, like maybe your arm position, but what would a closed position look like so that people would know to avoid that? If you ever cross your arms, if you ever put your hands right next to your body and you don't, you don't have your, your, the front of your body available so people can see you and they trust you when they can see that you're not really trying to hide something. Your mind is very interesting. It it will make connections that you don't make right away, but you either like somebody or don't like somebody based on their body language. So if you watch anybody who 
speaks well and speaks easily. They tend possibly to use their hands a little bit or they tend to move their shoulders with their arms and they express themselves as they move. Some much more than others, but in contrast to someone who basically is trying to hide, you know, the body language comes across that way. I would venture to say that I think most speakers, this is not something they think about consciously. And it's probably very easy Mm -hmm. to find yourself in a closed body position like that. And you're, you've got a great message to deliver, but you're actually delivering just the opposite. Right. You mentioned that you continue to find ways to improve even after 10 years. Mm -hmm. How do you evolve that presentation? How do you improve your presentation skills? Well, because my message isn't patterned after the script, I actually take time at the beginning. Uh, When I meet the church, I try to talk to people who are coming in and see how they're what, what what's important to them? What do they know about the Gideons? What don't they know? Have they experienced anything that's important to them? And I try to meet their needs and understand what is the congregation actually going through right now? Because if it isn't personal, then, and if it can't be coming from me personally, then it doesn't mean much to them. So it's a two-way street. I have to know something about, about them, but I also have to be able to provide them something that they can relate to. So it's a, it's never the same. I may have some key points that I want to bring up, but that is more on the delivery side. I don't tend to try to prescribe what I'm going to speak about. Uh, it may be a testimony, but that's geared more toward, I, I mean, I have a lot of testimonies that I know. So depending on how I, I'm reading the audience, I can deliver any any one of a number of testimonies in a short amount of time. Could you share an example of a, a presentation where maybe one of those conversations ahead of time revealed some information that helped you really craft that, uh, that, that message that you delivered in a way that, that did make it very personal? We had gone to a very close-knit church, and I'd spoken at a church that was associated with the same administrative building, but a different church. There's two churches that that belong to the same administration building. I spoke at one church a few years ago, and the fellow who came with me to monitor my speech, he said, oh, well, you've spoken at this church before, you know? And I said, well, no, I don't think so. I, I think this congregation is a different congregation than the last time. So when we got into church, the fellow who was with me started asking a lot of questions to a lot of people. And it was interesting. I was watching people respond to him and his questions on the Gideons as to whether this was the same church we spoke at last time. So as I was engaging with people and watching the responses, I realized that these people really wanted to be involved right here in the Seattle area. They were very impressed with the local things that we were doing, and they wanted to engage with us locally. I mean, they were, I know that they liked the international side, but I really felt that my presentation had to be geared toward what are we doing locally? What's the impact locally? What can they do locally? So I I had some statistics on how many hotel rooms we have in SeaTac. I had stats on how many visitors we have coming in through SeaTac Airport. I had stats on how many people stay in hotel rooms every year. I basically let them know that when we do our work in the Gideons, putting Bibles in hotel rooms, putting Bibles in schools, putting Bibles in all the different institutions, that they are there with us doing this. And the number of people that we're impacting is just massive. And that they're part of this. 
that really hit a chord because they didn't know. They didn't know they're having such an impact. They didn't know the number of people they're reaching right here. And they didn't know the fertile field that's available to us right now, you know. So it brought it home, right? And uh, other churches, they want to know about prison ministries. Other churches want to know about international ministries. So each one, each presentation, I try to make it fit what the congregation needs. And that ties exactly into what you mentioned previously about the, your presentation is all geared around how the Gideon's International Ministry and, and their involvement benefits them in whatever way that yes. might be. You said some local, right. you have some, I, I've gone into others where they had a single mission that was the biggest thing going on because multiple families had sent family members off to this one country and that, you know, that was mm-hmm. a, a big focus. And, and yes, yeah, so that is a wonderful, wonderful thing to do, but you have to take the time. And you have to put out the effort to do it. They're, they're not always going to just bring that information right. to you. And you, you mentioned that there's a lot of questions. You had to do right. a lot of conversation ahead of time to get that information. Right. So when you're wrapping up your presentation, or were you getting to the part where you have your call to action, how do, you, how do you usually put that together? What does that sound like? You know, after I've given them an idea of what the action is and let them know how we do our job, I ask them to be involved, and I ask them to support us, and I ask them to pray for us. And I asked them to get involved in us, with us, as if they were doing our job. Because it's a mindset. It's understanding the Word of God put in someone's hands is never returns void. It always returns God's results. And that fact causes people to think differently about their Christian walk as well. Because sometimes people think they're powerless. Sometimes they, they think, oh, I can't do this. I can't witness. I can't. I'm not strong enough to do this. I'm, you know. But they realize that here is an opportunity to put the Word of God in people's hands that they will never meet, but they can be part of it. Now, when it comes to an offering, when the church is open to us asking for an offering, how do you prefer that to be handled? Um, I like a, just a Gideon collection, just that, that morning. And it can be a collection container that you can give to the Gideons if you, if you want to give now, or if you want to put in a check, or if you want to tell the church office to... There you're going to send a check in the church office. We'll put it on our Gideon donation. That's fine. But I'd like to be connected to the event. That's really, the, the pastor tends to like that as well. Depending on the church, it's interesting. Sometimes it takes a month or two for us to get our uh, our givings back from the church. But I've never been surprised by the amount of generosity the churches have for us. It, it's just absolutely phenomenal. And Calvin, if you could give one piece of advice to other speakers... What would that be? I guess my piece of advice for a speaker at a Gideon presentation, just be yourself. Give your example from from yourself. If it isn't part of you, then the audience can't really respond to that. So make it something that you have thought about and that you're connecting with the audience to meet their needs. Once you do that, people will respond to you and you can deliver your message. It's not a menu. It's not a set of guidelines. It certainly isn't just numbers and facts. Anybody can give that. Anybody can, can read it in a newspaper. But what you want to do is you want the Holy Spirit to be in you in that presentation. And by doing that, you pray beforehand, you ask him for his help, and you pull it forward, and you meet their needs. That's what I try to do. You know, clearly over the 10 years that you've been doing this, you have 
matured the process tremendously and you've really clued in on the important things with connecting to the congregation you're speaking to. Is there anything you can think of that we can do at a camp level that helps us prepare our speakers to do a better job? Well, I think to think about the three things that we talked about, I think it's important at a camp level not to assume that people know these these basic speaking principles to to get people to act. That's really your, your goal. Second is to give them some information that they can use. And third is to ask them to be part of it, to get them to be involved. And those, those things, if we don't do those things, all the statistics and all the talking is meaningless. Is there anything I, uh, I didn't ask about that do you think I should have? I think praying for the pastor and his congregation in a weekly breakfast meeting is really, really important and that we should be dropping them a card to say that we have prayed for them and to, to keep current on any things that are going on in their church that we can assist them with because this is a partnership. We, we go to involve them and to bring them onto our, our team, but then we can't forget them. I think it's important that as these pastors, they join us, they pray for us too. And by opening the, the opportunity to send them a card or a note, then they might send us a card or a note to say, hey, you know, we, we've got four or five people that uh, we need to have you guys pray for us. And by the way, you know, is there anything else that, you know, we can do uh, in our community for you guys? You know, just open the dialogue. It's really, it, they're, they're family. It's not a one-time thing. Thanks for listening to the Gideon's Church Speaker Program. We hope you found it informative and inspirational. If you or someone you know would be a great guest on an upcoming episode, send me an email at sean.graver at gmail.com. That's S-E-A-N dot G-R-A-V-E-R at gmail.com or visit our website at www.tgispeaker.com and use the password TGI for access. Proverbs 9.9 says, Instruct the wise, and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous, and they will add to their learning. See you next time.